0: Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb, and me, Robbie. And uh, this week for episode 25, we will be covering, because it's its 40th anniversary, an American werewolf in London. So
1: we will be uh, kind of taking a deep dive into the John Landis um, horror comedy kind of classic cult film.
0: Yeah, I, think, I mean I think both are true. I think it's classic and cult. I don't think it was a failure. So it was normally you'd say cult when a film was kind of like a flop, but then gained traction yeah. years later. Whereas I don't think that this one was completely a flop. So it's not really I'd say it's a horror classic, in it's own right. But it has also got a huge cult following as well. So it's kind of it's a a hard one, isn't it? It's a it's a hard one to do. I mean, um even when I was saying that at the beginning, I literally cannot think of this film without in my head the music going, which again, it's not even like, though it has played a key part in the film, Bad Moon Rising. It just, I don't know why, it just, I hear this film and I hear that music in my yeah, head. It's a complete relation, even though it's not even like the film starts and has towards the end actually has Blue Moon just as much as yeah. it has that song. But I don't know, maybe it's just because Bad Moon Rising is so badass or maybe it's because if you have the DVD or Blu-ray, that song plays on a loop on the cover. And I think I remember one one time when I watched it after I finished watching it, I think I fell asleep and I woke up to that song. <laughs> so in my sleep, Bad Moon Rising had probably been playing for about like an entire night and I woke up in the morning and it was still playing. So I think it's just stuck in my head forever. Bad Moon Rising, that tune. And I just can't just do it out. It's some perpetual cycle. <laughs> yeah, <it's just> st-
1: <laughs> no, I like it. Um... Yep. So obviously, as always, um, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button and leave us a, uh, a lovely review um, and find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at CMDH podcast. Um, we will be um, actually, no, that's the next episode. I've already fucked up <laughs> less
0: than five minutes. Um,
1: yeah so let's just jump straight into an american werewolf in london and forget that whole (laughs) botch
0: that is fine yeah we like to just go with it in here um yeah so we've had um as always as you're mentioning social media anyway as always we do hit up and we do ask people for like comments and thoughts on that on episodes which we will mention i think we've got one main one to mention this episode haven't we? Yeah, American Werewolf. um so uh we will come round to that later on um but um i mean this week we'll just be kicking straight in because it's yeah. these, these episodes we like to do a bit more of a like our when we did our 40th, 40th anniversary for friday the 13th and it was a bit of a deep dive and it was you know a little bit longer but we'll try to keep it within time here but um we want to kick right into uh mm. those crazy americans on those moors <laughs> so
1: it was uh it was written by um john landis um it was written and directed by john landis um and we were kind of having this conversation were not we just before we hit record that this is you know john landis he he's known to be kind of this big horror movie kind of uh director and writer and it mainly seems to be for this film doesn't it uh, yeah
0: it it literally does seem uh well i mean i guess there's one other thing that he is hugely known for and that is michael jackson's thriller yeah like that is another thing that kind of i guess in the 80s he was cemented as horror classic purely because he did this great film and did pretty much the biggest, probably possibly the greatest music video yeah. of all time in Thriller. I love seeing Michael Jackson turn into a werewolf. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> it's of the weirdest okay. thing ever. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome music video. Um, but yeah, apart from that, he literally did. He did Birkenhair in 2010. Which is a horror comedy, which I'd say falls more into just a dark comedy than it was. I remember seeing it advertised with which, si- Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon and Pegg and Andy Serkis. Cur- and- Andy, Circus, Andy Circus, Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't remember it being hugely well received, um, and that was a point when John Landis hadn't really done a proper feature film in quite a long time. Um, and before, and before that, he'd also done *Innocent Blood*, uh, which was like a vampire kind of thriller. Back in 1992, which I never heard of until now. And the other one is uh, the Twilight Zone. And I was just, um, I was talking to to Rob before because I was just thought it was an interesting thing to fall on because um, it's pretty much put down that the reason that he's not done more horror films is because of Twilight Zone, which was yeah. his directing gig that, gig that kind of followed up um, an American werewolf in London. Um. But obviously, that film has quite tragic consequences. Now, I mean, I feel like in horror terms, quite a lot of people like know about know about this. Um, but a lot of people have quite a lot of hate for John This yeah. even though every time I've seen him in any documentary or things like that, I was like, ah, oh, this guy seems like such a nice, like, general guy. I'm not saying that he's not a nice yeah. genuine guy based on this. Um, it's just the way that I didn't realise there was quite so much hate as I've seen online for him as there actually is um a lot of people who call him a murderer and things like that and um this is partially due to what happened on the twilight zone film and i feel like it links to what we're talking about here because we've got someone who's renowned as such a great horror director who's barely directed any horror films <laughs> kind of, yeah um you know he's been producer i think on a few different projects but he is really renowned for this one film and this major incident um so um the twilight zone which was like an uh, obviously, a, a huge TV show back in the '50s, and then they decided to make it into a movie. Steven Spielberg was the producer and the director on one part it was a four-part film. Uh, Joe Dante, another yeah. classic horror director, who and... also did The um, Howling. He also did, did The Howling, another, another werewolf. We'll definitely we have a touch upon that, won't we? A bit of the Howling yeah. comparisons here, um, and um, George Miller, who is uh, Mad Max, things yeah. like that. He also did it, and then there was also, of course, John Landis. Um, but uh, John Landis's was going to be the first part of the film that was done, and his was kind of a um, link with like uh, Vietnamese and the Vietnam War and things like that, and a and a, a character who's kind of meant to have be having horrific flashbacks, which are based on this. So it was much more serious than the one that he ended up putting in the film. Um, I've never seen
1: the film, so I'm unsure. I know the incident, but
0: I haven't seen the film. They ended up replacing it. So he ended up doing a completely different thing after this. They just completely scrapped that part for good reason. So um, on a night of filming, um, Vic Morrow, who was uh, quite a a classic known actor at the time, uh, was filming a scene um, where basically he had to save two children in the middle of like a dam. Kind of area like a, a swamp kind of area and he had to pull them to safety so he had to pick up the two children and he had to rush them to to save yeah. uh, save them and basically carry across um and we had them filming it and we had like a helicopter that was above them and basically they also had a ton of explosions set up around like practical proper explosions going off all around the helicopter yeah. and things like this um, and the thing is uh and what happened was basically the fireworks and stuff caused the helicopter to lose control, crashed down, landed wow. right on top of Vic Morris and the two children that he was carrying across. Um, and I mean it's a, it's a horrible thing. It, after this, it literally made Hollywood completely change the rules on how things could be filmed, how close you can have helicopters and things like this. Now, yeah, understandably. I mean, it's kind, kind of it's it's horrible that you know it's a her- it's a horrific dying. thing um i mean this is our podcast so if that's your kind of thing that you're kind of very intrigued by these things because i get very intrigued by these real life things i mean literally if you just search the twilight zone and john landis you'll find it everywhere um uh, including the the footage of what happened and things like that uh, which was reported all over tv it's quite shocking footage that they did play it in america all over tv screens yeah. and like this. um but you can find that footage quite easily um, and it is quite shocking to see it come down, and you know the, the horrific things that went with it. Um, but a lot of the blame, so Steven Spielberg was part of it, but only because he was the producer, producer of the one of the producers of the film. Yeah. But John Landis and the cameramen and the special effects men and the person who was on the helicopter. They were all the ones that actually got it's one of the few cases where they've ever been done for manslaughter on a film case. Okay, so they were all taken to court. It lasted quite a long time. The process was something like six years to get it oh, fully shit. completed. Um, and John Landis was um, pretty much at the front of that because a lot of the cameramen and the other people started putting blame on John Landis because they said one thing that they said that they had told him that the practical effects going off around the helicopter was going to be a serious danger. Yeah. Um, I believe there may even be some recorded footage out there that was shown where John Landis is shouting for the helicopter to go lower, lower, lower just before it went off. Yeah, is that things like, like this, urban, you know, these kind nips. of thing, um, these kind of things that like is more people saying it than that. And obviously, in that situation, I mean, this is all down to the people that like this could have been. Uh, easily resolved and things like this and you can't fully put john landis in the blame on this when I'm, there's a million people that work on film sets that do this you know he might do certain things but if they really believe that that wasn't there's also a bit of blame on them but i believe as as um his long-term person who worked with him eddie murphy <laughs> uh who they had a bit of a falling out after this because eddie murphy wouldn't go to the trial that he was in to kind of support him and things yeah. like this. and that's because eddie murphy said well to be fair if you're the person calling the shots and you're the person who's behind the camera and things like that and you know all these things are happening you can't say you're not partially to blame which, which I, guess, I you know it's true yes yeah, whether true, he true. deserves all the blame and to be completely hateful that was a freak accident which had rarely ever happened before in film at that point yeah. you know is another thing i do know that he and steven spielberg basically were like really good friends and haven't spoken since but well, you must think
1: how you know how you would feel if that happened under your watch you know It'd yeah i know and great. john
0: landis himself has said he's barely gone a day without that crossing his mind so you know it, it it's like a horror event and i think part of the reason he never created any more horror fil- many horror films anyway and stayed away from the genre is because it just brings up such horrible not just memories for him but also it's one of those things where the media would just kind of jump on him and saying they'll start bringing that story up again and yeah. again and again. Uh, and that was like a, a horrible thing to happen, uh, obviously. Um, and as well as the fact, you know, the other thing that was saying is there was actually two children, you know, who died when a lot of people said that it should have been, why weren't you using fake dummies or something like that? Yeah. Cause the children, this was like in the middle of the night when, laws actually yeah. actually broke one thing that they broke the law on was the fact that the children shouldn't have even been there at that time of night because oh, wow. <laughs> they're not allowed to film <laughs> at that time of night so that was another thing they broke um and people were surprised that nothing kind of came of that part anyway not the death part but the fact that they kind of broke the law on that yeah. kind of area uh but yeah i did say before that they ended up filming completely different for that film but it was basically just a scene where they had um uh james uh, uh james brooks and um dan Aykroyd in a car basically and it ends up with the it ends up like they're kind of talking about the trial zone tv show so it's a much more comedy based yeah. opening that has like a freak twist ending um so that's what ends up going with the last minute but basically everyone who was part of it kind of disowned the whole project I I just like that. Uh, but yeah so that is kind of why john Landis. But weirdly, at the same time, that Twilight Zone thing kind of added to the kind of infamousness of horror directing on his part as well yeah. but so I just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up purely because of his lack of horror films, but also because because this is the only one I don't actually know when we'll ever mention John Landis again yeah, so you know well, this... that's
1: one of the things. that's why we thought we'd bring it up um, because um, he 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 has such you know he doesn't dip his his toes into it anymore i've heard yeah. that he's working on a new horror film but i'm sure um so yeah it kind of, it's kind of, i think it's worth noting this yeah discussing. i mean
0: it was only two years after american werewolf and also he if you watch a lot of horror documentaries and things like that where they talk about the horror genre in general and all these things you tend to see john landis pop up quite a bit but yeah it's like you've got this main one although to be fair I do think there are a lot of things in this film special effects wise things like that would just kind of were real like push the boundaries that other horror films then took that baton and be like we can do that we can do that
1: and I think it's interesting because um so it was like like I said earlier um it was directed and written by John Landis and it was such a big success um so it, it you know today i believe this episode is being released on august the 23rd um the film was released august the 21st in 1981 and and the budget was 5.8 million dollars and it went on to make 62 million dollars so it was a big success yeah but quite an interesting thing is that so it was made you know it was released in 1981 but landis wrote the initial kind of screenplay in 1969 yeah and then he struggled to get it financed for you know for quite some time because they thought well you know the script is too frightening to be a, a horror film and yeah. it's too comedic to be a horror film you know
0: yeah and it, it's it's a weird it's a weird film at times as well it is a weird. Um, I know film. that there's a there's a quote from um, Albert Broccoli, who is pretty much known <laughs> Mr. Broccoli, Mr. Broccoli yeah. who is pretty much known. People would know, mainly know the Broccoli family as a film family uh, purely for James Bond. They own the, Oh shit, They okay. own the James Bond franchise basically. Um, and uh, at one point, because he was working on a film with them. They do do other films than James Bond, but mainly it's James Bond. Um, but uh, he was working on a film with him, John Landis, and uh, he spoke to Albert Broccoli and he showed him the script. He was like, I really want. And they were really good friends at that point. So he was like, he might actually make my script. And then he turned around and said, I'm not making this film. It's weird. <laughs> 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 like, like. And to be fair, there are are, even rewatching it. There are scenes of this film which I just completely blank out of my mind. Same. I
1: texted you during one
0: of them um, (laughs) because I was just like, "What the fuck?"
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a. There was a lot I forgot about this film, and it. It's yeah, it's in parts. It's very jarring, and it is quite hard to get you know to get a land on. It's not. um, I never found it particularly frightening to the point where you know you, you're cowering or anything like that but there's said you know there's good there's good moments of tension and it is a good horror film but it's not a co- it's not a comedy in the aspects of something like you know he he wrote i think he wrote trading places as well yeah. later didn't he which is which is a lot a lot more of that kind of comedy of setting up a joke
0: and it landing and laugh out loud kind of yeah bit. no
1: the- this is more of a dark comedy in this
0: i mean for the fact that he's an american it like I know, obviously, it's set in Britain, so you'd expect it to be. But even the humor in the it's, writing and stuff very British. British. It is very British. It's very like even the Americans kind of sarcasm with the British. It is all very kind of it, it's our dour kind of, you yeah. know, sarcastic little kind of. And some people might not have got it. It, it was a big hit, so people obviously did get it. But yeah, <laughs> but, you know, what I mean, it, it, the the humor in there is just very and it's it's also, but it has got a kind of um, almost at times a kind of weird sketch like kind of yeah like the way that you just have random scenes appear um the one mainly is the nazi werewolves It's the yes. one that pops into my head there's the, there's the one that i completely forgot about and it's also completely like weird and bizarre it's 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 kind of funny it's dark it's one of those scenes where i would imagine most of the time if someone else was kind of looking at it they go like yeah, I don't think we need that scene. yeah can let's cut, cut that. let's cut that scene like, but he didn't, and it's there I mean i as I said, I completely forgot that I existed and, me, and i it's a really weird scene this whole family being butchered by Nazi, yeah Nazi werewolves it's i guess it it's kind of cool that it's going to be the way his his brain is starting to process like werewolf images coming into yeah. his brain and stuff um but um, it's it's it feels just so weird it um, does it feel it feels out of place. Um, I believe John Landis actually played the Nazi werewolf that that slits his throat. So (laughs) I mean, one of the most jarring things for me is the
1: way in which the film opens. It doesn't kind of have, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of horror movies and particularly horror movies from the 80s. They had almost like a cold open, you know, they had an opening and then they had the title scene
0: and then they kind of went into it.
1: This film just goes into it.
0: It just goes into it, which you I know? like. I You're like, like. I like it. Like they, but it, they just open, like they get to the, almost get to the point of almost. The... Like there's
1: kind of no credits really. It just gets into it. And we have, you know, we have the two American backpackers. Um, uh, what's it? David Kessler, who is played by um, David Norton, and um, Jack Goodman, who's played by Griffin Dunn. I love Jack Goodman. He's so class. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: He, he's he's great. my
1: favorite character in this film. Um, and they're kind of trekking across the moors, and they're just, you know, they're in Yorkshire, aren't they? I yeah. And they're talking about um, how Jack's trying. uh, What's her name? Debbie something. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to remember Debbie something. Yeah, and they're talking about how
1: how (laughs) how, you know when they return to America, Jack Debbie Klein, Debbie Klein. How Jack's got to get it on with Debbie Klein, and he's like, "You're not interested in Debbie Klein." Yeah, it's like, how can you not be interested in her body or something like that? And watching this film, it reminded me of because there were two things that reminded me of. One of it was when we used to go out to parties, and we yeah. used to go to hill parties, and we used to do all of this kind of shit, and we'd have yeah. to walk hours back. Yeah, random know? shit. Like, and, that. <laughs> and we would we would walk through the countryside, like um, like David and Jack, just and just chatting random shit. Yeah. So it, that you know that reminded me of that, and that, and it kind of feels natural the conversations <laughs> that they're having. Um, and then the second part they reminded me of was. Well, you know, my parents, uh, my grandparents, sorry, um, they lived in Devon. Yeah, and they they lived near the moors. Oh, so yeah, yeah. when I was young, I spent a lot of time on the moors. And <laughs> I spent a lot of time walking around and and this and yeah, the moors are just such like an isolated place. They're so interesting.
0: They are. Yeah. There's not. I mean, um, uh, like I used to. Uh, I mean, some of our best time of our life is literally those kind of things. If you if you're the kind of people that go around your your friend's house and now and obviously you've just got your phones and you just sit there and uh, that. Phones, that's one way phones have ruined experiences, because yeah. back then we probably would have walked along look like now we would just walk back and we'd be looking at our phone the whole time <laughs> or some <laughs> shit like that uh, back then wasn't quite that makes it sound really old. But we did have phones then they were like fairly like, okay, we could say, but that wasn't the interesting thing to do is walking back through these creepy middle of the night. I think we've mentioned all of the things like we've the horse and stuff like that before being chased by them, but it's all. Um, that was all like part of it. It's nice in this film that it just seems they you straight away know that they're like good friends. Yeah, you start to know them and they're just talking random shit, and it's just what you you know what I mean random stuff about like anything they can think of kind of thing. because yeah. they're just going through, um, and on top of that, the moors are pretty much perfectly shot as well. They're like dark and foggy, and just you know empty completely, which is exactly what it is, like. I feel like a lot of people if you've never lived anywhere near that you would be freaked as hell to walk on those things because yeah. it's just open space of nothingness like and there are parts when it's so dark you can't because there's no natural no, there's no no, 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 light. So, no not natural light there's natural light only. There's, no artificial. there's no artificial light so you're literally only seeing so some areas you look around you can't see anything in the distance so if it were to run out of you like said horses story <laughs> we've said when we didn't see them until suddenly it's like shit um and it is really probably one of the creepiest places you can be if you're by yourself walking in the middle of it like if you had to walk home from like a hill party or something like that if you were by yourself you couldn't help but be like walking through forest parts then walking onto these kind of hilly moor kind of parts and be like yeah uh, yeah you could just kill me right and, the, and that's, no yeah. one would know <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the
1: the dark plays tricks on your mind as well you always see shapes moving and that kind of shit like, yeah. at least i did it, 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 <laughs> I it know, know, it's about, creepy so it is know, the perfect psychosis. setting <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've ended about a battle of psychosis yeah <laughs> that's... On the walls, but, uh, but it's a perfect setting and it's it, the perfect yeah and, and the opening's
0: great as well yeah. isn't it like it, and it's, it's this whole suspenseful like this is the scariest part of the film yeah
1: well and i love the the, the juxtaposition, to, to put a nice word.
0: Fancy words. Yeah. <laughs> I love
1: the, the juxtaposition between the bright colours that, that David is wearing, you know, because he's wearing this bright red jacket. Yeah. And this kind of stuff that he's wearing, which is very bright and very kind of colourful. And then the moors, which are for the most part very dark green, yeah. dark grey rocks. And you kind of think. David, you you make yourself look like a target. You know, I love that. They, the, I think they, they both
0: do. The way that they just they stand out. Yeah, which I think because we can move we can move into the the village pub, the, the, the slaughtered, slaughtered lamb, lamb <laughs> uh, as they arrive there, and even when they step into into the pub that juxtaposition continues because look at all of the people they're all in tweed yeah browns you know yeah. what i mean there's there's barely a bright color in the pub you know well, what i L- mean that's the that's the 80s yeah uh, that's, L- that's <laughs> what i mean yeah in that kind of area whereas here are these two american backpack walking in these bright you know puffer yeah. kind of warm jackets and their backpacks and they seem quite like excited and vibrant and the the, the pubs just like looking at them like fuck you like yeah. who are you This just
1: the dude playing darts and that and it's that kind of mental thing about it's that country pub isn't it you know, yeah like, where you've been to many of them and you kind of go
0: in there and you're and
1: everybody stops and looks at you you know
0: yeah um just to make it clear so for american listeners or other countries you based on this film you may get the idea that if you ever if you're ever over in this country and you walk into a pub you're going to get that kind yeah, of you're not it's not <laughs> most pubs are actually you walk in and everyone's getting on with their own business and not bothered but I think there are a few in very small areas like this one where, yes, basically all of the locals go to that pub all the time because there's nowhere else to go. There's fuck all else to do. So they live in that pub, basically. So when someone walks in, I have been into a pub like that. When i walked in, I've I've been like, okay, this is is all of the locals. Probably every area in the UK, there's like that one pub where all of the local or all of the... Let's say maybe certain people of a, a lower class all dwell in the same area and look, and then they're like, "This is our rough pub."
1: Fuck yeah. off! <laughs> yeah, I love that because a lot of the pubs over here are just chains now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, massive.
0: So if you walk into most pubs nowadays, they're owned by a chain, so they're meant to be all bright and nice and like, yeah. well, not nice necessarily, <laughs> but you the know, they're, they're just exactly the same. You could walk down the street. Same joke that's in that, uh, the other side of the page, the world's end. Yeah, so they walk down several and they've all been turned into chains, and like this all looks exactly the yeah. same. That's what it's
1: like. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what it's like. But the, I think this, you know, inside the slaughtered lamb is great, and this is where we, you know, we start to hear stuff about you just know that something's off, yeah, you know. And I, I, I text you, didn't I? Saying there's somebody who looks just like Rick Mayo in this <laughs> <You did. laughs> because I thought that Rick Mayo was big at this time but
0: yeah he wasn't. no not quite
1: um yeah i love that <laughs> he text me like looks like yeah, is right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, i don't know you can just tell that you know there's something wrong and they're talking about you know staying off the roads and yeah. what forces them to leave they see the they see the um you know the five-pointed star on the wall don't
0: they? yeah What's that then, called? Pentecost, i think it's
1: a pen- i don't know if it's a
0: pentagon <laughs> Not pentagon, not sure. I think a pentagon. Uh, yeah, that's that's the actual poly. shape. I think the in Pentagram. The pentagram is, yeah, that's the actual uh, more yeah. <laughs> more mythic kind of term for it. Um, yeah, they they see that on the wall. They're asking about, do you have any hot drinks and things like that. They're very unwelcoming. Yeah. He's like, no, no, but I guess I could make you a cup of tea if you have to kind of thing. Yeah. Um, asking about food and they're like, there's nothing here for you kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um and everyone's just given they kind of they calm down for they, they do kind of get on with their thing for a little bit don't they they start making jokes and stuff like that and i think they're making jokes about americans they make a the bit. joke about the alamo don't they oh yeah the alamo and yeah they only know the film not the actual historic thing in the pub yeah um and yeah we've got all of these little scenes so for a minute you think oh okay we are kind of calmed back into it and then the americans make a you know a talk about the pentagram on the wall jack goes well hey what's that what's it's so like allowing? a joke yeah kind of thing. and then it's dead silence. yeah and stares the dude misses his star you made me i never you know yeah and that's when they realize that maybe they should get out of here but then the landlady kind of changes her tune a bit from being like she's probably the most welcoming at one point even though she's yeah. not welcoming she's still like I will get you that. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um. But this is when her tune changes to you can't let them go out there. Yeah. They're not really listening. I don't think they're not. They don't seem to really be paying. It. They're more interested in leaving. David and Jack are more interested in David know, and Jack want to go, but the, and go. the
1: other pub, kind of the pub um, attendees. I can't remember what the, what you'd call them. There's some. There, there's know, something the villagers call them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the villagers. Um. You know, they're kind of. They're just telling them to go, but to stay on the roads. Yeah. To, what did they say? Stay on the roads. Stay off the moors. Stay off the moors. Yeah. Stay the off
0: the moors.
1: Um, and you know, then when when the, you know when David and Jack do finally leave, then they start saying about you know it's murder and
0: yeah, that so kind of stuff. The landlady's like, yeah, you can't. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, and they're just trying to like. They're acting a little bit like like kind of cows. they've obviously seen something happen before and yeah. they don't want to be any part of it um but they look guilty at the same time they do look guilty suddenly yeah. like oh what have we done um and as soon pretty much as soon as they start getting back out on, onto the road it's not long it's only like a minute or two before they break the advice straight away well that's from it road they, to the good morse
1: because they go back out there and they're chatting and we notice them walk off the moors. We yeah. we no, we notice them walk walk off the path. Yeah, and then they go onto the moors. I don't think
0: they do it first. I think they're no, just they following. Don't. Like again, a kind of thing. If you're in the middle of there with no non artificial lights, it's very be. easy to just be like following and then be like, oh shit, we actually we left that. Yeah, it's, it's a very you know it's a very natural thing to do. So, um, and we also as soon as but as soon as they go off the moors, another thing is that's the second they hear the first howl. How, yeah. The first howl hits right then in the distance. Like okay, and that kind of prompts David and Jack to be like, "Mm, "Let's just move a bit faster along the moors. Let's not get back off the moors. Let's let's just move a bit faster along the moors." Well, one
1: thing that I I love is that because this is the scene where we see that the the werewolf is stalking them. Uh, We know it's a werewolf because of the name. (laughs) They don't, but they see something stalking them, and you'll get you know you get scenes with them where they'll you know they say it's behind us or stuff like that. And then they walk and then they stop and there's another howl and they, you know, David and Jack are looking past the camera and they're kind of saying, can you see it? It's right there. It's looking at us. Like, what is it? And they kind you know, so we, they, they're aware of it, but what I think this film does really well, because with werewolf films, it's kind of, it's hard. You want to see the transformation and you want to see what the werewolf looks like. Yeah. But those are, those are part of like, that's that's the height of the werewolf film you know so yeah. it's, if you rev- i think if you do either of those two early you take away some of the horror and you take away the intrigue and you kind of you take away the do, reason yeah. to watch in a way and i think it's really good that john Landis did it so that they can see it off sc- you know off screen and we can't see it and they're almost reacting to it but it's not yeah. there almost um and then when the werewolf starts you know chasing after them and you know david and uh david falls over doesn't he yeah and they both start laughing and i i love that scene and then you're kind of lulled into a bit of a, a false sense of security yeah because
0: they're happy they're laughing they're like yeah everything's fine We've and lost then it. we just hear like a a slight kind of growl and a whoosh And then jack is taken down Jack's taken down rip jack rip and you see him get you see like you again you can't see really see the werewolf but you can kind of see claw and you see him rip and you see like his skin rip open yeah it's quite it is quite graphic um it's like even though i don't think you're necessarily like clearly seeing anything you kind of think that you're seeing everything torn into him and you see him really get his face sliced up you see blood splattering out, and then you yeah. go back over to David, who starts running away, which does give you a little bit of a like fucking cat, like in your head, you're like, fuck it, like that's probably what I do yeah. but, but at the same time. But he does then stop. He like runs for about 30 seconds and then like Jack, Jack and then like kind of turns around and then sees Jack kind of lying in a pool of his uh his pool of his blood up, with his he? throat ripped out, his face torn up. Um, His nice green puffer jacket's ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then David himself gets
1: attacked. Yeah. And, and then, you know, all the villagers turn up. I guess we hear a gunshot, don't we? Yeah, we, we gunshot. The werewolf
0: kind of get hit. But again, we can't really clearly see it. We're only seeing like fur or bits like that, sides yeah. of it, like that kind of thing. I think we might get to see eyes at one point. Yeah. And then we hear the bang and David has been saved. And then next to him, he sees the corpse of a naked man. like Yeah. Which is a really cool little transition because it happens really quickly, but it's just night light. Nice that you see that kind of. It's like you, I think you see like a tiniest moment of a slight change on one part of his body yeah. changes, but apart from that, it's just that guy lying there naked. Yeah.
1: dead. it's awesome. And then obviously, you know, then the it's it shifts from Yorkshire to London, um, and David wakes up, and we have this police inspector um, who kind of tells him that they were escape, they were attacked by an escaped lunatic, and. David's insisting that it was like a a dog or a wolf, or so something yeah, like something
0: that. on the moors. And they say when he got there that all of it, like his wounds and stuff had already been cleaned and bandaged and some of that. And straight away you get the idea that the villagers were trying to again cover something up, yeah, because right? they've he'd, he'd arrived basically already ready to go, even though he got some fairly bad scars and like scratches on his face, on his chest. I think it was face and chest. Yeah, he yeah. On his face. Um, definitely in space you see that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we kind of you know we have um we have these uh is that when the
0: the werewolf um the werewolf dream takes place it's not is it? when he's in the bed i mean we get quite a lot because so sort of quite a lot of the next few scenes mainly all take place in the hospital hostel, yeah um where you know where he meets alex uh played by uh jenny agata Agu- Agu- it's weird the only thing she on yeah game. so out, I guess you might some people now in Britain or things like that so she plays like a nun in call the midwife which okay. I don't watch it but I've my partner Charlotte does so yeah. I spot her all the time and I was like she plays like she's a nun <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you've seen her old stuff she's like a dirty nurse <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: but um so he gets to meet Alex and you can kind of see there's a little bit of chemistry there with them getting along with each other. He keeps trying to say it's that and we the first thing we see is um I think we see Jack. Yeah, uh, no, we see um we see like ru- something running through a forest.
1: Yeah, we see he has flashes of Yeah, flashes of, him. of like, something
0: rushing through, like things like that. And which it's, it's him. It's him.
1: He's he's yeah has these kind of flashes of but rushing it's, through a forest. It's like too.
0: it's him rushing through, it's he hasn't. He hasn't changed. He's still a man. So it's it's his mind started to give him these flashes of like like werewolf and what his body will be like. It's like his inner werewolf trying to escape through his Almost. mind to start yeah. with.
1: Um, and then we see Jack because
0: we see Jack sat in the hospital. Yeah. sat in the hospital room with him, isn't he?
1: Because and... then that's where because David's been having these visions. He kind of don't, he thinks that it's just a hallucination
0: yeah. of Jack. And, and Jack at this point is just. Visually, he's he's pretty much not too different than when we saw him on the moors. No, first he's, shot. he's just
1: kind of got his face ripped open a little bit, and can,
0: it just the blood's gone. Yeah, the special effects are awesome. Yeah, it's so you cool. know? he look he looks amazing. Like in each scene we see, the Jack part is pretty much to me probably my favorite part of the film. Anytime Same. Jack is on, is just that is just like a masterclass of how to like show the undead homes to me. Yeah, um, um, with but Jack.
1: I love the idea that um, of this as well because it's not something that's usually kind of played with in in werewolf films you know we we don't get the idea of the undead or that the because kind of Jack tells him that you know dave anybody when David turns anybody that he kills will stay in this kind of limbo of being yeah. undead and being unable to move on and could.
0: But he doesn't mention that they're going to continue to rot and get worse, which is kind of really cool. Cool, really cool. And it's also saying, like as you said, it's not really played up. Well, I don't actually know any other time I've seen it really played up very often in (laughs) werewolfing, which is weird because I think this is a much more interesting lore to add on to the werewolf mythology yeah is the idea that anyone you take in until the main one is dead everybody stays in limbo we could be wrong you might be saying in the, in the original literature or things like that yeah. yes maybe uh, or you might all know a film if so then you know at us <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> at cmth podcast uh, but um I just think it makes it so much more interesting that part of the story. It makes the werewolf thing to me so much more interesting than just the classic you're transforming, you're going to grow up and kill people. Yes, we know that's what's going to happen. But this idea is kind of what kind of changes that because we know that David is like right now obviously he's in that state of he's in the hospital he's not really sure what's real and what's yeah not. and he's they're starting to make him question whether anything happened on the moors or didn't happen on the moors he's pretty yeah. certain it did happen the way it did but because people keep on telling different stories he's starting to get confused and when he sees jack there sitting across from him and basically like saying for the first time that he's stuck in limbo and things like that and this is the first time he also says that the only way for this to end is for you to kill yourself yeah and David, obviously is like, "Well, this is just a hallucination. It's like my brain's telling me to kill myself for whatever reason he doesn't believe that Jack is real, and that's why he's very honest with Alex and the doctor and every, like and says to them, like, I'm seeing my best friend dead, yeah, like, I'm still seeing Jack, um which obviously makes them a bit more concerned about his <laughs> health, but not too concerned because <laughs> it's <laughs> not too long till he gets out of there um." I'm trying to figure when the dream sequence is cuz it's relatively early on isn't it if i remember correctly what do you mean the nazi well yeah yeah that he's still in the hospital when that happens yeah um yeah i'm just thinking uh it's uh, yeah um cuz
1: it, it i i can't i just can't remember when it comes in uh, i'm honest. fairly
0: cuz i'm fairly certain that scene takes place not long before he actually leaves the hospital with alex yeah um because he sees uh well let's just talk about this because it's there. to be honest the the bit when they're in the hospital for a while it, it goes back and forth for a little while it's not a huge part of the story but it does go on for a little while and it at times it, it feels a little bit long it yeah. feels like something that could have been cut to a little bit quicker but i think the main part of it is because they're trying to develop that relationship between alex price and david yeah. um so the nurse and you know the nurse and the werewolf boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're trying to really develop that part and i think uh the fact that he goes into this so it shows that almost the werewolf in his mind is showing like almost that he would attack anything in that state kind of thing and that he yeah. can i don't again i don't i feel like maybe the reason that they're werewolf nazis is maybe just because you know um he's taking what would be the worst thing kind of to happen and his mind is mashing between the human side of him. What's the worst thing he knows about, which is probably the Nazis, probably. you know? And then in the other part of him, the werewolf side is coming through and that's what's create these weird ass hybrids. Yeah. By far, as we've said, the weirdest scene in the film, but maybe it's also kind of in a way, because like you said, yes, it's,
1: it's, maybe a manifestation of the human side yeah thinking that probably the you know the worst thing that he could that you know is kind of imaginable is the nazi and what they did and all of that stuff but then maybe because the the nazis are the werewolves they're also enjoying it yeah maybe it's kind of his werewolf side and how he's got to enjoy the slaughter and killing, maybe. Yeah,
0: you know? it, it could. I mean, it's a you way know, ways, ways <laughs> to interpret it because, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting scene. That's why, I mean, it's so unusual that it's hard not to question it. It could be that it's the werewolf side trying to kill his human side. Yeah. By killing off all of his family and then killing him, it's like, Cutting all connections to his human side, kind of thing, yeah. cutting all of his emotions out by trying to kill them off. It's It's the werewolf possibly trying to take control when it can't take control until yeah. until that beautiful full moon comes <laughs> along. Um, yeah, so it, it's really interesting. And obviously, it also includes a scene where he thinks he's woken up and he thinks he's told Alex something, and then the werewolf Nazi <laughs> comes along again and slices um, Alex's throat. Yeah and starts stabbing her and then he wakes up again and then he tells her that he's having a really like bad dreams and things like that and then it's pretty much cuts to not long until they're both out out uh Alex is kind of I think the only reason i believe I, I, I it probably is mentioned but i believe it's more that she says that she will care for him in order for him to be released a bit early i think maybe because it's kind of confusing when he still so seems to be so a bit deluded that he gets released yeah kind of thing um and alex is pretty happy to take him back to her apartment to but what is you. one of the other the other. Uh, <laughs> I believe your other unusual scene and the one that you'd messaged me about. Because <laughs> I forgot about it completely. <laughs> I knew there was a I knew there was a sex scene. Um I didn't know that I didn't quite remember such a build up like to it where it's quite a long process of basically it's like David walking around, <laughs> around. I text you saying that he, he's like he's basically walking around, acting like he's in interested in anything she's saying. Just yeah, he knows she's down to
1: <laughs> basically is, isn't it? Because <laughs> he literally it.
0: he's just walking around like okay, we're shopping. Okay, this is your house. This is this room. This is that room. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's great. Fun. But you seem like yeah, that, like why have you brought me here? And she's like. I find you very, attra- I, I don't do this often. I don't do this often or things like that. I've only been with three people before, but I find you very no, she says, sexually attractive. Wasn't she that? says, I've only
1: been with, with I've had seven lovers. Oh, seven. Three oh, of those okay. were one night stands. <laughs> <laughs> I remember because the whole thing I was thinking of whilst watching this was because you get the scene um, with the punks on the train. You oh, know, yeah, the like around. And I was kind of thinking yeah, a lot of this is kind of, like we said, some a lot of the humor does seem very kind of British in a way,
0: mm.
1: but kind of the way in which they show British people, I was kind of thinking like it. it's like, you know, how Americans f- think that there's like one accent for British people yeah. and that we're all really like refined, yeah. and really like well spoken. It's kind of everybody's like that. And then I'm like, is that how London actually was in the 80s? Or is this just some kind of mad? Like, I think
0: the way that Medias right. portrayed it makes even us as, as as people who live in Britain and every day, it's really hard because pretty much even in the UK, a lot of our English stuff would normally only portray half the time. It would only portray well spoken, posh sounding British people, yeah. especially in London, outside of certain soap dramas and stuff like that. You'd pretty much get anything that was classed as like a classy drama would be someone who is posh or yeah, the basically. actors would be basically posh you know <laughs> uh, to be fair it's not that long since we got away from that quite a bit it still happened for quite a long time quite a lot of actors that you know in america as british actors are still pretty kind of posh oh, yeah only occasionally do we get the little bit more ones that have come, you know, your Ray Winston who <laughs> sticks East around State. like a dirty <laughs> smell. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get rid of him, and he's a proper like governor. <laughs> yeah, he's a proper East End boy. Um, but, but there's another. There's a lot of stereotypes. There are, say, but, I but like the 80s, it's like oh, what? It's almost like you looked at like what's big right now. So the 80s. So we see a shit ton of punks. We see Bobby's all about. We see. Yeah. And just everyone just seems, you know, very, very British and well spoken. Yeah. <laughs> there is a scene that I love where um, where the doctor,
1: Dr. Hirsch, I think he's called, um, kind of goes back to the slaughtered lamb to see what David told him is true. Yeah. Um, and then all the pub, you know, the pub deniers kind of know any knowledge of the attack or anything. Mm. Um, and then one person kind of says to him that it is true and that he shouldn't have been taken away and that he's got to be in danger when he transforms and that kind of shit and the doctor's like yeah starts to think what's going on here. and i thought i thought that was a really interesting scene especially because you get a lot of it is kind of based in london and that and then get, go back to the small kind of village yeah and having that
0: you know one thing that is really good in this film actually is that um that for a lot of the characters who, let's be honest, in an 80s horror film, a lot of the characters who you'd normally basically expect to be quite one note. Actually, try to. They actually try to add a bit more character to it. So even like Jack is the one who gets killed early on the film. Yeah. That could have literally just been he's just the best friend that got killed. And, and he's gone. He about, it he's again. gone. But instead, they add these layers which really add to both David's character and make the film more interesting. But even with um, the Doctor Hirsch, as if he said, I'm, yeah. again, I'm not 100 sure that um, he gets more than just. In, a, in the standard 70s and 80s horror, most of the time when you see a doctor or an advisor or someone like that, they normally are pretty much just like dismissing any ideas. That's all yeah. they are. That's all the character is. They're just there to be the dismissive. nurse. No. He's crazy. He's, He's the, cra- the boy's crazy. He's madness. Yeah. But um, he actually the fact that he we get some of him actually trying to investigate and actually take the word of his patient actually seriously and try to do so with it. Is a refreshing. I found yeah. quite that, like he takes it more because up until that point, you could have just been like, "I oh, yeah, fuck this guy. This guy's just gonna get ripped apart at some point." Later yeah. or probably any. Uh, <laughs> but the whole.
1: I mean, the whole film kind of
0: even, yeah, yeah,
1: it kind of build, It builds away from a kind of typical, almost werewolf film where you'd be looking at a high body count or something like that, and it goes more to I don't know. It plays more towards its characters, and it plays yeah. more towards this idea of. The victims kind of, there being consequences to death. Yeah. And there being consequences to the actions of the werewolf, which isn't something that you usually get in horror film.
0: I know. I love that, you know. it's It's certainly more on, at times, on, like, we say comedy, but it's a comedy that at the same time is very self aware of the werewolf genre. Yeah and it also seems to be very self-aware of horror in general at that point in time I think yeah and it's very much like because there's only really the opening scene the, the first transformation and then the ending that's the only times that we really get werewolf or violent action outside of the Nazi werewolves yeah <laughs> but apart <laughs> from that drink. there's not huge like we're not talking about a constant werewolf killing and we're constantly seeing a million deaths and things like that it's pretty much is constantly played out of it's more about the way that the human the david or the way his human body almost reacts and the changes that he's recognizing so we get much more of like a that kind of flow through as you said the character instead of just right he's a werewolf now let's go and start killing let's start killing everyone and we'll soon see no it's much it's much better it's much more well done than that it could have like it could have easily been um, because like when we talked about the Howling, howling yeah. re- the Howling's very good. I I personally prefer this. I think it's a better portrayal of werewolves. I prefer the Howling. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but the Howling had a lot more kind of like more more death, more like yeah. tearing things apart. More f- like it's not quite as like it's not quite. I don't think it's. I didn't find it. It's quite as well made as this. Yes, one, I think this.
1: I think this one's more more new If you
0: want, if you, you want know? your classic like werewolf like blood and slaughter the howlings I felt was closer to yeah that. definitely this is more of a, a contained kind of like idea and story but I also think the mythology and the way that the werewolf shown in this one I preferred to the Howling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I do like the classic
1: I think I've written <laughs> that aspect, of the howling. <laughs> I think I preferred the howling but I think in terms of it's the kind of story of this I think have you seen ginger snaps
0: I have seen ginger snaps. Yeah. yeah
1: I think this this lays a good foundation for those kind of, this is a good like prototype for films like ginger snaps. And I watched one recently called Teddy, which I wasn't a huge fan of, to be honest, but this is, this is more focused on the person and the transformation into a werewolf, what that means for them and the loss of humanity, as opposed to something like the howling, um, you know, or, I'm trying to think of some other werewolf, and my mind's gone blank for some reason. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, and it's more about the, the the kind of thriller of who is the werewolf and, you yeah. know, the the murders and the deaths and that kind of stuff. So I think it, you can got kind of two different films. And I think both The Howling and um, American Werewolf kind of laid the foundations a little bit for that, you know
0: yeah I, I think so yeah they both they both do take it in different directions they're not uh, exactly the same film no um yeah um should, i mean should we get on to the transformation yeah go.
1: because i mean this is the point where yeah. jack appears again even more decayed now he's just a bit like greenish isn't he but he's still looking he's and he's starting to rot a bit and yeah. then he tells him that you know you have to kill yourself and he doesn't believe it again he still doesn't believe this so
0: like you're going to, cha- you're going to, going to change you've got to change tomorrow
1: yeah and then and this is the kind of thing that i think is done really well when it comes to the changes
0: it's it's not
1: i, I think david doesn't expect it does he you know he's just, no. he he, just stays he, at home he's and
0: he's he's very much in denial about the whole thing he doesn't really believe that that's the case which to be fair you can't. you <laughs> kind would. of understand it you would go to this is all in my head i'm just seeing things for some reason i don't know why um but it is is one of the things that i really like about it like some people might find it really odd but it literally is just he is just sat there reading the book and just suddenly gets like this searing headache yeah like, and he just he just drops it and screaming and things like that in his head you can see him like holding his head and then he's like, starts really, he's, like hot. really hot and start tearing all of his clothes off <sighs> and it just seems like a really sudden violent reaction but yeah. it also it feels like oddly like real like if someone had a real serious like injury like something happens just happens to you in your brain as it does with, all over the world you know any disease certain diseases can cause that to just suddenly go boom, and like you're yeah. dead or boom like something's happening to you your body's just failing you yeah and it just seems like that it seems so natural and real it's there's no like major build-up there's no moon blown down hair starts growing things like that or you know or eyes hit the moon you get that shot a lot in werewolf films like the whole seeing it we don't see the moon we're just told it's going to be there kind of thing we're just assuming you know do we not see the moon i don't remember seeing it i don't remember like having like a major shot of it anyway it might have shown outside the house and shown this like thing of it but I kind of just thought we'd just suddenly see it because that's why I thought it was so sudden and abrupt. Because I don't remember seeing like a major flash that now is the full moon. I just remember seeing, I don't know if when he starts to change it does a shot out, but I don't, I I'm just sure it's it continuing.
1: I'm sure it does. I'm sure there's a shot very briefly of the full moon, but it's not very, I know what you mean, where you get, you know, in a werewolf film, you get somebody who goes, oh no it's a full moon and yeah. then the, the clouds go
0: away from the moon, yeah, the, moon the eyes look down. at the moon and then the moon the and then they start doing it you yeah know? and it normally starts like, like the yeah. eyes and, yeah. the, and then it just like but no it doesn't play like this this plays it as like horrific body horror it does yeah it feels it very really broad feels broad. and this this is one of the bits that i think is is actually kind of scary in a kind of yeah. like it, it, the way that his body is transformed i mean to me this is my favorite Werewolf transformation. It just, I just think it looks awesome. Yeah, I just think every part of it. They they thought so carefully about the practical effects and how to try and make it look as real as possible. Yeah, and it still holds up today. Like, and it still looks really real. Rick Baker's work here is amazing. Yeah, I mean Rick Baker. Yeah, it just looks so good. Yeah, um, it, like, it starts with the hand, the hand, you, it? Yeah. and you see it stretching along it, and the thing, and the the uh, the claws come through the fingers which looks really horrible as well. Like the, his nails like get pushed away as the claws yeah. go through the fingers, and it longs out and he's just screaming at his hands. And But it's not just seeing the hat, you start by just seeing the hand and then it, it cuts back and you do actually get this is the thing I like is when the fingers, in the horror films, though. you actually get to see it on the person. It, yeah. it, it's, it's easier to do a practical effect and be like, right, we're just going to show that part of the body. We're not going to show the rest of it, we're just going to show that but it doesn't it shows all the stretching and then it shows it's still changing. As it's in front of him kind of thing as well yeah. which is a much harder oh, shot to yeah. pull off um and then yeah we get we get him start to hit the ground and we get this, his spine start to pop out and you mm. see the pop of it all and you see his his muscles almost look like they're chain like pulling and flexing it, and even f- you
1: talking about it feels hot Howling. I know,
0: it, it is like the one that I feel is is the is the feet and the the ankle kind of yeah. stretches and you hear like a pop and a crunch Ugh. as it comes out. And he becomes I mean that's the thing with that
1: kind of, for me kind of separates American werewolf and um the howling. Both of them have amazing transformation scenes. Um and yeah. both of them done with practical effects, which is for me how it should be. Yeah. Um and obviously the howling was done by Rob Bitten, I think. Yeah. Um I'll double check that. Um I've I have forgot my point. Um <laughs> but just to go over to the um the social media, the practical, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh Sounds Creepy podcast. Um are actually currently writing an episode about the transformation scene in this um and they feel it's one of the best cinematic and they said not just the acting makeup and effects but also the song selection does tip it over their episode will be out on october the 1st um celebrating the uh, start of the spooky month um but one of the things that yeah so it is rob botten who does the transformation scene in the howling um and in american werewolf it's rick baker like you said and i believe i read I watched a documentary about how they did this, um, and it was very, very painstaking. But I saw th- th- something because particularly towards the end of the transformation, which that was the point I was going to make. <laughs> the howling goes for the kind of bipedal, um, you know, werewolf stood up on its hind legs, yeah. if you would. The American werewolf kind of goes for that almost wolf-like, doesn't it? On all fours, yeah. And it's and you, as you see the transformation you see the bones break and you see him, you see that. Um, you see david kind of almost being forced into this kind of all fours position it's so horrible man even talking about it's making me gross to bear but i read that um or i watched i'm trying to remember what the documentary was called um i believe it was something to do with tom savini because i think they wanted him to do this but he was busy doing something and potentially, he might have suggested Rick Baker for it, because I believe Rick Baker might have been one of his students or something, or was a friend of his, definitely. And apparently, so what they did for some of the, for the jaw shot, particularly, because you know, we see his face, you see the jaw, it, yeah, it it, like, and snout. the snout
0: comes out, which is awesome.
1: Apparently, they did that with animatronics.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think quite uh-huh. a few of the hand and things like that is all animatronics to make it stretch and yeah. out. Um, which was just a really cool use. And um, like you were saying with, um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I like I I think I haven't seen the documentary. I know about Rick Baker. His, I know that Rick Baker was, um, so as we, we mentioned, we talked about this before, but Rick Baker was originally going to do The Howling. Yeah. Um, so Rick ba- Baker was going to it The Howling purely because actually he was originally going to do American Werewolf in London, but it was taking so long to get the film going that he kind of gave up and went, I'm going to, just go and do the howling Man. Yeah. Um, and he like, but he'd already kind of, he'd already done some pre, you know, uh, pre production stuff on American Werewolf, but it kind of stalled because the film wasn't ready to film yet. Yeah. So that's why he got tired and went over to thing, uh, went over to the howling. And he started working on a few little bits talking to them about ideas and how they can do it. So, um, so that's why there is a little bit of a link. And there is a little bit, I believe there was a little bit where John Landis, although he was like, he wants Rick Baker back. Yeah. He was a little bit annoyed because apparently there was a little bit where he felt like they had passed some ideas to the howling. Rick Baker had kind of used the ideas he was going to use on American Werewolf on the howling. So some of the stuff that's used for the practical effects with it was kind of, although Rob Bottin took over. Is believed that a lot of that early development on it was Rick Baker, okay. Howling as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little bit of a there is a, it's one crossover. The fact that he was going to work on both werewolves <laughs> that were both released the same year. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just an interesting like that kind of parallel, and that I'm sure John Lennon's probably was a bit pissed because he was like, "Well, what if that one ends up being better than my one?" Or feels like you know, back. Well, the forward. Howling was released
1: first, wasn't it?
0: It was. Yeah, it yeah. got there because, as I said, it was already fil- It was already filming and they'd already started stuff, so Rick Baker did a little bit, and then handed it over to Robotton, because he was better friends with John Landis, and said, yeah. oh, right, I said I would do that with you, so yeah, I will do that with you, um, but, as you can see here, comparison of the films, American Werewolf was a much bigger hit than, but, less budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Howling was 1.5 million and made 17.9, million. and as we said before, American Werewolf was, was 5 million five. and made they- uh, 50, 5.8, 62. 62 million. Uh, but that's still in comparison. That's still a bit more of an extra for American Whale. Yeah, but still, it's amazing that we got two. That they got two <laughs> werewolf films in one year. Anyone who fucking loved werewolves must have been off their tits. Yeah, you are <laughs> probably loving it if you were a werewolf <laughs> uh, wow. We don't get enough werewolf films. No, anymore. we don't. Um, but after the
1: after the painful transformation, is when he kind of starts taking to the streets of London, and I think he kills the. And then he kills the is it the couple that are going to um yeah go and have dinner with someone he kills some homeless men um and
0: then he he kills the
1: guy in the, the subway tunnel. is
0: the is the in the, the uh you say subway but tube, tube <laughs> the tube tunnel yeah the tube in the uk And ah, the uh, follows them through the tube which again if you've been in there the tube is a very creepy place to be it if you, it's just you like like, and it's quite often that you can walk onto floating platforms you're like I am all by myself. here. If Especially someone, late at night. Yeah, if someone walked it, and then sometimes you got on the tube, and I'm sure if in America if you've got subway, you've got the same feeling like in the middle of the night just being on there. But it's literally a really creepy feeling to be like, I'm one of the only people getting on this tube as well. There's no one else in like the yeah. carriage and stuff. So if some creepy person was to walk in as well, you'd be shitting yourself. Yeah. Like Who the fuck is that guy? Some or like a rough group of people walk on with you like. Oh. fuck, I feel like <laughs> you want to jump straight back off the second yeah. they guy like, get off. Yeah, um, Yeah. so it's a really creepy place to be. And it's played really nicely. The second he gets off, you kind of see the guy look around like a bit like, oh, there's no one else here. Like, yeah. No, this is... And I think there is a little distance like growl that you kind of hear yeah, echo a little bit. So it's like, and then you get the kind of, you get the point of view of the werewolf as so it's moving through, through the tunnel. Yeah and then you get him and you get him running but you don't see what it, so you hear like you can kind of see that someone's about to come around the corner and he's running down the tube way yeah. but you don't actually get again to fully see it and then he gets onto the uh, escalator um and he it, like hits it and like like stumbles over and you just see this point of view getting closer and closer and closer to him and he's kind of just like frozen well there's
1: a shot that i i always forget what's in it but there's a shot from the top of the escalator looking down it's a split yeah. second and you see the man on there but you get a very very vague glimpse of the wolf yeah. walking and it's probably only like a second, a second yeah, oh, yeah, a you do da- oh yeah you do
0: down yeah, yeah through the like you get, turnstile you kind of see him kind of come through you get like this and this is the first time you get to see that he is like because in the transformation, you didn't get to see not fully. You, you, get to you see kind of is. you kind of get to see in the way that you actually kind of think, oh, that's what he's going to look like. He's going to look like kind of stretched out human kind of kind of skin. Of. Yeah. He's going to look more skin with bits of hair, but then it turns out he actually turns into what looks more like. Oh, this is the first shot you get that he's actually he looks like a, a big wolf, big ass wolf, a big furry wolf. He's yeah, quite furry, he's a furry. But, um, but the but it's it, I,
1: but I, the good I, thing is it doesn't linger on it. No, it it's doesn't. like a, it is literally a a second a split second yeah i think it if you, is the, it's yeah. kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing which i think is really good because yet again you don't want to you don't want to show too much of the werewolf because no, that's it, it's the that's, jaws that's jaws effect, the money it? shot It's the jaws effect
0: man. yeah you don't want to give away your monster uh some of the best monster horror movies and stuff like that the ones when they do it are the ones when they don't show the monster because it makes it creepier to not know what the hell they're dealing with. yeah
1: and to kind of build it up in your own head. Man
0: yeah know what that's current like it's why sometimes films like that like sometimes people like this well, there's a sequel to it They're like, oh it wasn't quite as good because the first one was more s- suspenseful and scary but yeah that's probably because in the first one you didn't see the monster yes. which made it creepier as we've said before if if in jaws you saw jaws on the film it would be <laughs> jaws, as, i love the way you like, refer to him as jaws <laughs> jaws oh, that's a <laughs> <what I mean." laughs> <"The laughs> great by,
1: white it was your peep show they like when he's watching jaws. It's like I'm watching jaws. Yeah. Jaws the shark. <laughs> the the it's it's hard jaws the shark. to think of him as
0: jaws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah it, it is that same effect of if if you saw it it just it would be that film would be seen as a B movie. Not a not a, like it's not seen as like a b-movie because no. it's seen as a classic piece of cinema but if we'd seen him all the way through the film it would be seen as like a piranha potentially <laughs> yeah, yeah. You no know i mean you like know. it wouldn't be i don't think quite as well made um and, I would, and same from, here i'd say yeah. it, if we'd seen the werewolf clearly throughout the whole thing and they know not the to theory, show him right? too much i think because i think the final the only thing with the design i would say is the transformation is awesome the final bit when he is the kind of wolf kind of thing when you get proper good shot of it sometimes it doesn't look as quite amazing as he does when he's transforming when he's transforming he looks absolutely like scary and sick yeah. and you can really see his wolf face it doesn't completely look exactly the same when he's the big furry wolf thing like the face and stuff doesn't really match up as much as i remembered it kind I, of working it, it does look very similar to the face of
1: from the howlings wolf you know, yeah. very similar. they stole their face but i always i always think that this is the end of the film for some reason i complete for my brain i completely forget that after this but after, this, that you, after you this you think
0: he goes straight to going into trafalgar Square yeah. and rampage and piccadilly circus yeah
1: that. but yeah. he doesn't you know he actually wakes up in london zoo um naked and unable to remember what happens i'm sure we've all been there
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 and he makes his way back to alex's apartment um and I like that. There's a there's a behind the scene things where that was real wolves that yeah. he was in the cage with. Like I like the fact that they like. I mean obviously it's it's certainly you can tell it's not fakes because no. he's there with wolves, but it's like real feral wolves that he was in the cage with. They'd just fed them before and they just told him don't make any sudden movements yeah. when he's meant to be like quickly jumping out <laughs> of the cage. Just yeah, like Don't sh- make sudden <laughs> movements or they might rip you apart. You'd be shitty yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like that's not a good thing. Like, whenever they've used real animals and stuff like that, it hasn't always gone well. Like the classic, the the in the Omen, yeah, is that classic one about the the lions that yeah caught onto the guy and tore the guy apart. One of the set like, so it doesn't go well in that. So it's definitely an interesting choice, but I guess there's a difference between a wolf and a lion. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so then David kind of, you know he realizes that. He, he did actually became a werewolf um, and he's responsible he tries to get himself arrested and i always found that yeah. really funny yeah it's just he's like doing he's all of stuff and just the,
0: shouting often... things out shouting out swear and shout out he's not really doing anything like it feels like if you want to get him to arrested, it just hit, hit the him. cop <laughs> yeah that's why <what laughs> was... he doesn't do that he's like just shout it's like he just assumes that all of the british are going to be so easily offended if he calls everyone a he, he does say, yeah, he says cut once, which I didn't think he was going to say because I was like,
1: yeah, it I mean, in the eighties, that would have been pro- still would have been a bit of a taboo word, wouldn't it? But as far as I'm aware, in America, that's not a huge word. Over here, no, the but then a massive
0: word. Um the you know the, the the porno that they go into, like we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, but the porno. The name of the porno is. Um, see you next Wednesday, which is meant to be a play on the joke of see catch you. you next Tuesday. Yeah, which is f- yeah <laughs> oh, okay. So that's why it's called see you next Wednesday. He didn't want to like do the full like thing, but yeah. he, he kind of said that he thought it was funny that it's like so close to being yeah the initials of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he you know he rings his family, he tells
1: them that he loves them, and then he tried, he tries to slit his own wrists, doesn't he? Um,
0: yeah, in the phone box. It's yeah, it's it, 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 like. With a knife that looks really blunt. It's a pen knife. <laughs> it's a pen knife, but Which it are still are looks quite, really, really blunt. Like, pen <laughs> knives are quite blunt anyway. Yeah, they are. So it's just, they're like, it doesn't, yeah. that's part of why I don't think it, uh-huh. it would um, have worked. We are also, I guess we've at the same time. Dr. Hirsch has asked for him to come in at that point, didn't he? Just yeah. And like, he was really like excitable at first. He, he said like, oh, I've got like, this new power, this new energy. in us. like, he seemed really like excited with Alex at the start. And then when yeah. he realizes about the butchering what that's actually when he, happened it's when happened. he goes like mad and goes into this spiral and like he has to kill himself and that's when he he like runs off is this then when we get to the this is this is when we we when he sees jack yeah outside jack the, outside the porno theater the porn like theater. Like, <laughs> waving at him, like come watch
1: proper proper rotten and just disease. and this is my favorite scene is that jack film. or is that the porno yeah
0: because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it did on, it did it on my tits. mind like the uh originally uh, in the in the screenplay John Landis put that it was going to be like a classic film one yeah. like a black and white film cinema that they were going to be sat in Yeah. Um, and then when he actually visited London to do like pre-set, so he changed the script because he was like there's no longer like classic movie theatres all around there's just fucking porno everywhere <laughs> so he changed the film because of how he'd seen that Britain had kind of changed into this like porno theatre thing and can we just uh, touch on for a second because there's another thing by the way there's no such thing as a I don't believe there's so much thing as a porno theater anymore. Not anymore, because obviously not. you don't you don't need it anymore. But well, you don't need say, to whack How up weird was that? How weird is that as a concept? Like, yeah, like I mean, I know like certain people are like they just need it, but even back when they didn't have stuff, I mean, they had magazines and like videos, I guess. Yeah, but still, like it just always is just like a weird concept to me—the idea of people going into the middle of this theater. Sitting obviously away from other people, <laughs> Well, I, I I mean, I find the concept of
1: whacking off with your friends weird anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, the the concept well,
0: of whacking off with I, a stranger is even weirder, like. yeah. That's what I mean. Like, just that's <laughs> we are now into a conversation about whacking off with your friends. We that's yeah. also, so the British don't do <laughs> no. well, the, I mean, I know somebody whacked off with I mean, group. I'm not saying that no. Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to avoid this kind of look because I felt like we're about to get into a big <laughs> we dig ourselves <laughs> into a hole Like everyone subscribers are zero because yeah, <laughs> you are talking about whacking to hell. It's cancelled. <laughs> cancelled to hell is now about whacking off. With <laughs> <good friends. laughs> whack me to hell. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So anyway, I was just trying to say that I just think that's that's a really weird concept. So, Obviously, you know, we're saying it's a pent up time we were we were a little bit more all very very conservative even back then to be fair even in the 80s we were still very you know we were just talking about a possibility of an episode on like video nasties and banned films and stuff and there were a lot of these kind of films that were all banned at that time so it's kind of is interested that like this is what we had to for people to get out of this kind of sexual like preferences or other things like that they had to make these kind of Theaters or back alley things, or you had to go and get bootleg videos just yeah. to watch a horror film. Like it's a, it was a bit of a weird time. It was, you know. But I still don't get why you'd want to whack up. And yeah,
1: <laughs> and that's not why I like the
0: scene. And yeah, and we are not. Yeah, no, that's not like the, the scene is great because of other things, and also another thing. So that so uh, he follows Jack inside of the movie theatre to get back to the point and away from the blokes in the theater who are probably whacking up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so jack at this point is now turned into, he's now practical effects yeah it's just skeleton he's just like this skeleton with bits of skin hanging off and he's like really de- de- deteriorating and it's awesome he looks he looks so cool i know you know it's a puppet but, but it, looks, it awesome. looks awesome and because the voice is so perfectly well synced up and things like that it just works so well. Like you're just like looking at it. You can't stop looking because there are so many little details from the way the eyes eyes are like bulged around like like bulged around and you can like see huge gaps around them. So the way the skin is coming off to the way the teeth down to the bone, down to his throat, where you can really see his throat and his flapping of his yeah. neck as it moves. It just you can't take your eyes off of you Jack. Can't. Like Apparently there's gotta be a scene where he's eating toast. Oh yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah. And it was gonna fall out of his throat, which would have been awesome to see, you know. But it's that kind of dark comedy, and the whole and this scene. I mean, it has the kind of gravitas of showing, um, you know, David's actions from the night before. All of the people he killed are here in the theatre with him. you. Know, you see the homeless man, you see the guy um, who was on the train or the 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 tube station, yeah, and you see the couple. And they're all really pissed off at him, aren't they?
0: Well, except for the, the couple, they're weirdly really, quite cheery. <laughs> they're really quite che- like, they, they, they tell him, but it's kind of what that, they are quite the comedic relief in this kind of scene in a way, yeah. like Jack and the couple. Because yeah, we've got the guy on the tracer and he's really pissed off. Yeah, obviously. I'm not surprised you would now. <laughs> but I do love the fact that they kind of make David accountable for his actions, even though it's not completely his actions, that they kind of take that time to show the dead and show why he should feel responsible. Yeah. And it is a really nice scene that kind of works both as a a horrific scene because of Jack. Yeah. Um, and kind of a dramatic scene because of what they're telling him. To exactly. Do. But there's also comedic elements. Like I said, the couple when they go around to each one, they're like really happy and cheery until it's brought up by the the guy who got killed on the tube and says you need to kill yourself. And then they're kind of like in this really happy tone like, "Oh yes, you should kill yourself." Oh yes, kill yourself. <laughs> There's a and gun, then, and then, <laughs> then yeah, and then they're the first ones to start mentioning like you could do this, you could, you know, you could hang yourself, you could shoot yourself, you could, and everyone starts chiming in with ideas. Oh, of, don't can't hang yourself. What yeah. if it goes wrong? Don't yeah, try. don't do, yeah, don't do the pills. <laughs> um But yes, a gun, and then the two guys like yeah, if you put it in your mouth, especially that will work perfectly, like yeah. kind of thing. And it's like cheers guys it's, yeah it's so
1: darkly comic I it think. is and it, the that.
0: weird juxtaposition the fact that you've got this dark scene playing out at one point and in the background you've got porn yeah <laughs> playing <laughs> you just got a kind of like slapping noise in the background <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, by the way john landis directed the porno that happened that is on the screen as well oh, okay. there's another, another tidbit that you might not have known he wanted to he used a page free girl from Back in the day, the sun page three—it's yeah. not a thing anymore. It's not. But there used to be a woman with big tits out on page three, of every, the sun every day. Every day. Yeah, you, um, you would wake up, you'd have your coffee, and you'd you look at page three. Oh yeah. True British. And anyone could just walk in. A child could break up that paper and just go, "Oh, tits, look, tits." It, 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 <laughs> that was so funny. I can't we had that. <laughs> it was so weird. It, it, it wasn't that long. It was only like 2010 that they stopped it. I yeah, think. It still kind of mental. Yeah, though. it's really. I think even the Daily Star actually still does it, mean, even in even lower level of paper than the sun is. I would even um, use the sun as toilet paper. Yeah, the Daily Star would just rub your ass up. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> what's going on? Dude? Yeah, what's going on? It's, it's this hate. damn porn. The, da- the porn is corrupt. Yeah, John words. Landis directed that with like a page free girl who was like up and coming at the time but yeah he thought it would be funny. That's why it's full of like puns and yeah, stuff like of of the porn in and things like that. And it's not like full on like it's just like tits basically. But still, it's weird that juxtaposition between like die and at the same time it keeps giving flashes of like the screen and the guy's like just sat there um and then jack kind of says you know you need to do it again before you change which is really which one feels like this is really weird timing because literally like a minute or two a minute or two later he changes it's like yeah, it's jack, quick, a bit it? late there mate like come on jack yeah. you could have given him warning like a day before a couple of hours before not like in five minutes, you're going to do this, but we're going to spend that five minutes shouting at you to cure yourself, even though yeah, yeah. you're not going to have time. By the time we finish this conversation, you're, you're really going to change. You might as well just whack off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, the Enjoy the film. Enjoy the film. But yeah, he transforms
1: again into in the well, you know, inside the movie theater, doesn't he? And then he kills, you know, one of the inspectors, like rips his head off, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, that's really cool.
0: And then there's just if oh yeah, like it, it's the, the main detective, isn't it? And his yeah. head goes bouncing across the car um also one of the stewards that goes in kind of uh gets completely like torn up you see yeah. like get pulled in and like when the cop uh policeman <laughs> goes in you kind of see this body that's just moot, like guts yeah. pouring out. It's, it's quite like graphic and then um obviously when he get the the um detective gets his head lopped off kind of thing that's after they've been like barricading the yeah, door. They barricade. The there's door. one thing there's like the, the police are saying like they're trying to stop this barricade in the door And when you can hear like wolf sounds and scratching but all of the crowd of like piccadilly circus apparently is like oh let's go and hang around this door like they literally all crowd around yeah, yeah they crowd around them and they're
1: kind of keeping it closed up aren't they
0: <laughs> you know yeah they are they're literally like um just Sorry, there's a comment. It just sounds like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and it's like, why the fuck are you all like crowding around this kind of thing? It's like, I mean, I get it. I mean, people, people are dumb in general. We we are like, oh, what's going on there? What's hey, happening over there? What the police doing over there? Yeah. We are like that too. Yeah, uh, you see it all the time. If if an accident happens on the road in the UK, you tend to see every car suddenly like let's, yeah, let's slow down, yeah, just so we let's can load, look, look at what's happened and anything bloody happened. Uh, now nah, someone just crashed hard yeah, Then out and it 80 miles an hour down the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that's that's just the way we are. But it's so such a like a strange and then but we do get this awesome um set piece. And um I, I also raise here's another little behind-the-scenes little tidbit is the fact that this is the first film where they were allowed to film in Trafalgar Square and Piccadilly Circus in 15 years oh, before wow. that. Um because uh they just said it was too much of a burden, two things like this. And the way that John Landis got around this was because he was using a police officer for that scene in he who was an actual police officer, apparently. Yeah. um For the police officers, he bribed the police. He bribed, bribed <laughs> the Metropolitan Police by saying that uh, he invited three hundred police officers to go to see a screening of his last film, The Blues Brothers, before yeah. like it properly got released He took them to it. They were so. They were so like, oh, thank you, that they allowed him as the police, the police just kind of went past the like, rules and went, we'll let you because we'll be the ones that like from the area. They allowed him, but he was only allowed to do like two minute shots. So they only stop the traffic and stuff for, like two minutes and things oh. like that. So he had to do all of these shots like really quickly, like, and the car crashes and stuff like that, that's all actually like separate sets. So it doesn't actually happen yeah. so much on the street, but the wide shots and stuff like that. So he had to do all of that in like really short time. So he was like, literally stop the traffic. Two Minutes, we've got to get this shot done. Go, boom! Like, where but... crash, hit the bus, things like that. So, it fairly Not all feels hectic, doesn't it? It does. It's, I, I think, it's a really cool set piece. Like, I didn't remember how much action you got. The bus crashing. Um, um, Rick Baker is the guy who gets there's a guy that falls off of the bus and then gets yeah. trampled on by the car. Rick Baker is that oh, guy. awesome. <laughs> um, you've got like trash that the car crashes. It all seemed weirdly as well. It all seems quite like real, like the way that it hits someone and they get thrown through the glass. People get just locked around. People on the street are getting knocked down and killed. There's just you just see dead bodies occasionally, whether someone just lying dead, whether they've also been hit by something. Um and it all just seems so quick and visceral. And all the wolf's doing is just walking through the streets. Yeah. Like it's not actually he's not going after anyone at that point in time. he's him is just like strolling, <laughs> along, <laughs> watching all the Mayhem go down. It's, it's kind of
1: like um Saturday night fever, isn't it? The wolf's just walking yeah. along. It's
0: just like, yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, he's just if someone comes near him, he like growls at them, but he doesn't Do he doesn't like count on anyone. I am literally showing Rob how this is working. I'm not on all fours, but
1: walking all fours
0: around around. just around your room. (laughs) Look at me, this is how I do it. Yeah. (laughs) This episode's gone to mayhem What's going on? I know, man. Um... that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, well, I assume that's because they could only shoot the like with the yeah, they, could probably... they could only show the front part of him, I think. Yeah, the other puppet also behind holding it. Um, and then we get where Dr. Hirsch and um, <coughs> I need my halo after that.
1: <laughs> that's <was> too funny.
0: <coughs> Dr. Hirsch and Alex arrive at the scene, um. I don't know how they found out quite so quickly, because this all goes down pretty fast, <laughs> Well, <I laughs> with guess... the police and stuff going around, so it doesn't feel too long, but I guess they were waiting for the de- detectives and stuff, maybe they told them we've heard of something happening. There is, a scene, yeah,
1: there, is, there is a scene where that happens, where they say there's an incident happening with a wolf, and yeah. then Dr. Hirsch is like, oh, fuck, and Alex is like, Oh, is uh, it? Oh, yeah, I there is a, there's a scene. Break. Yeah, there's a. It's it's a very quickly happens. Yeah, but there is a scene where that happens, um, um, and, and then, then he, he ends goes down the alley. Does down,
0: down the alley. So this is what I mean. Like, there's only a few major set pieces in this film, and it happens really quite quickly. How long um, yeah, the film time. is? An, I it's, mean, the, it's an hour and thirty-seven minutes. I think it it, min, yeah, yeah. thirty-seven minutes. Yeah, minute minutes. So it's not. um It's not majorly. You know, it doesn't uh, feel like that. It doesn't. No, it feels like it's quite well uh, strung out, and I think that's because. It both takes time to tell the character story for quite a bit, but because it's not too long of a film, it doesn't feel too long between the three main horrific no. set pieces, um, and including this ending because the film kind of does kind of rush to a kind of abrupt end, but weirdly doesn't feel horribly abrupt. Like you can get this in some films where it's just like it, done. I mean, it like, there's a little bit where I felt like they could have shown a scene or so more. Yeah, it, it, for um, me, it ends abruptly. Um... It is quite. It is quite quick. Um, because but, after
1: this kind of this this mayhem set piece the you know our David in wolf form goes down the alley doesn't he and yeah. all the police are there and they're surrounded him with guns and then Alex tries to walk down yeah and tries to talk to him and coax to him and try and reason with him almost and then we see you know we see shots of Alex um, David as the wolf in the darkness and yeah. stuff like he that he does
0: seem to stop for a moment when she kind of comes Yeah, like you kind of see a bit when he's kind of st- the wolf is kind of frozen for a second, like from what she's trying to say to him, um, and then we pretty much just get a lunge. Well, yeah, he lunges at her, and then the police open fire. You know, they gun him down.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't. know. Does he lunge or does he kind of just more do a, kind of a movement? I don't no, know he if he lunges.
1: He does lunge. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes for her, um, and then obviously they they shoot him. He he. It reveals you know David's naked body, and then it just ends. And for me, it ends a bit too abruptly um It just kind of ends, and I'm a bit like, I feel for me, it feels like it needs a bit of a a wrap up at the end, maybe. You know, if there was another scene, yeah, explaining it or something like that, it would have been, I, it would have been better. But for me, it just kind of wraps up very quickly.
0: Yeah, it it, it is quite a quick, you know, hit that, and then we hit the music. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. It. it I don't know. I, it was abrupt. Um. But then i guess it's just it depends whether you need those scenes of alex saying stuff or the other people saying stuff like whether you i didn't i don't i don't i didn't really feel like i necessarily completely needed it but i guess because we would had development with alex and stuff like that and they try to make this romantic bond and things like this which at times does feel a little bit rushed yeah like the fact that uh, david says i love you repeatedly in the middle of trafalgar square to her just seems a bit like well you've been with It's hard. It's not it's hard to know exactly how long he was in the hospital. Yeah, Um, so it could have been for quite a long time. So to be fair, and they did seem really like, like into each other in the hospital. And like talk to each other a lot and things like that. So they definitely could have been that built up. Yeah. Um. But really, this is only like a day or so after he. It seems it's only a day or, or a couple of days or so after he's like taken a ho- took her home and you know down to fuck. Yeah. it's um, it's very quick. So <laughs> it does seem a bit quick when he's like I love you feels that. But then his emotions and stuff do seem to be put up to like eleven, and she doesn't say it back to him. No. I love you. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, blow him off like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not in that way. No. Um, <laughs> but um. But yeah, so I guess it's more of his emotions being like rushed through and things like that. But some of those bits do seem a bit like that. Um, I know that we were just looking and um, one thing we did, you know, there are a few little tidbits I think we want to mention kind of before we yeah. wrap up. And I don't know if you want to mention about like, so especially in the UK, but in other countries, there were a lot of cuts that had to be made for the film. and things like that. You mentioned about the toast one when he does a scene like uh, he asks about, I think it's in the hospital because he asks about, can I have some, he actually mentions the toast yeah. uh jack actually mentions the toast like she says she's bringing toast and, so, and he has it on his plate and wow, he says yeah. can i have some can i have some toast?" so i think it would have been one of the earlier yeah, scenes okay, yeah. where the toast would have fallen through his net and that's just because he was so interested um whatever whatever things were there the sex scene was edited down yeah night. so it would have been longer have been longer <laughs> uh, that whole shower scene and you know all that yeah <laughs> and um I mean, I know it is So the homeless men of the Thames. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we didn't, this, see, we didn't really see that. I, would, like, I was going to say we see, see it, the homeless, but I didn't it, really barely remember seeing.
1: Them. It's a very quick
0: attack. You know, you don't really
1: see too much. And it would be interesting to see. You know how what how it would. You know the actual footage of it. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, I'm always fascinated with these films, and I always want to see. They, you know, there should be a director's cut of every film, basically. So you Hell can yeah. see the original and all the all the, the cut off stuff. That's one thing that I kind of don't like as much with streaming is you know when you got a DVD or a Blu Ray back in the day, you could you could watch the film and then it might include a director's cut. But it, it often had deleted scenes that you could watch, and that was always really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Streaming, well, you don't get don't that, get so that much, anymore. You know? No, we don't get all those extras, and then especially like if it's made for streaming, then there's none. You of ain't got to get any yeah. of that now. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe if they release them on DVD, but I've never looked yeah. at a film that was made for streaming and then go, oh, I'm going to go and buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, That's <laughs> the fucking point. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, have you got any, any more bits to mention? So uh, I guess I'd just, I'd just do a quick rundown of some of the, like, the things that I found out that I think are quite interesting, little yeah, facts that you might want to know. Um, first ever Oscar win for Best Maker. Okay. For Baker. This is awesome. the first time Special Effects Award was ever made. And it's the first time it was ever won by Rick Baker for American nice. Royal, which is good, fair. It's, you know, definitely deserving of that honor. Um, I'm just trying to think of the ones, cause I have mentioned a few as we've kind of yeah, gone through and kind of, kind of so I was just them. trying to think if there's any, like, really like interesting ones that kind of, uh, I think the main one I want to talk about, um, is about the sequel. Yeah,
1: I was going to mention, because, you know, we have American Werewolf in Paris, which was released 16 years later, which is very late for a sequel, you know, especially from a very popular film like this.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's not like, it, I, it does have a link in, in that film. I haven't seen that film in a long time. I haven't time, seen it in a but long it's time. it's the child of, um, so basically it's like Alex had a child. Yeah. And it's. That or I don't know if it's Alex's child or another her child had a child that has somehow got the gene in it. Yeah, there's a, passed along. There's a very, very um, strenuous it's, it, it, it's not a great film. I it's much that. more in the vein of the kind of. It's got a lot more horror in it, a yeah. lot more gore, a lot more attacks, things like that. Um, but there's a there's actually a good. I think it doesn't mention, but there's actually a proper sequel that was touted, an actual sequel that would have been a follow-up that was possibly going to happen okay i've never heard that. um so yeah so john landis um had, had an idea i don't know if he was actually going to make it but it was kind of um he explained the sequel and the sequel was weirdly it was all about the the running gag from the beginning about um debbie klein okay so debbie klein was actually the main point so she would have been a main character in the sequel the (laughs) follower okay um so this is actually this is actually a quote from john landis himself so the movie was about the the girl that the boys talk about at the beginning of the movie debbie klein yeah she gets a job in london as a literary agent and while she's there starts privately investigating the circumstances surrounding the deaths of jack and david So, so far, so a bit weird. Um, The idea was that during uh, the time in the first film uh, where Jenny goes to work and David is pacing around the apartment, that's when we get Bad Moon Rising and all that kind of thing. um, He actually wrote Debbie Klein a letter. Which again, this is going to be someone that Jack was interested in. So people are like, well, like, yeah, yeah. um it was all to do with this big secret that David had never told Jack that he had a thing with Debbie Klein. Okay, which is why people say at the beginning of the film he's kind of more like Jack yeah. saying like he's in love with her, and David's kind of more like, yeah, but you're just talking about girl. You, you you barely know her that yeah. well. You just want to have sex with her. Like almost as if he's trying to push, like, don't get romantic feelings. You just want to sleep with her. It's never going to happen almost. Yeah. Um, So that's like the, the, so that's like a a slight uh, idea, but the idea was that she tracks down Dr. Hirsch, uh, who tells her that Alex now lives in Paris. So it would have been Paris um, because she was so traumatized by what happened. She went back to the slaughtered lamb and everyone is still there. So it was the same people basically still sat around um, and like, there were only a few changes to a couple of things. Like there was a portrait of Charles and Diana instead of the <laughs> previous thing. That'd be awesome. the, the five point star was still there, um, except the darts was now a dart or arcade game instead of a dartboard, which doesn't make doesn't sound sense. like it worked. No. would work. That's them trying to modernize it for an American. Whereas trust me, the British one, they would never replace a dartboard with no. a, an arcade game. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of weird that the sequel was going to be all about a, a random character mentioned in the first one. Um, and it, 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 it never really happened. And the idea was slightly taken of like Alex in Paris and turned into this years later when they read the script and were like, well, we're not going to go back to David Klein or any of that. We're just going to go with like the child of David and Alex Paris. and That's where the werewolf curse continued kind of thing. Um. But it's interesting that that's kind of where they went with it. But it's also a shame that we never got like a proper sequel because it sounds like John Landis would have been quite involved in that proper sequel. But isn't, it's, um, it's not a
1: film where we could have need a sequel, to
0: be honest. No, it's not. It, it's basically, like you said, like the whole stuff about... Um, the only part that really sounded interesting there was the whole Alex in Paris because of what happened, which literally could have been an extra scene at the end of this film. Could have been, yeah. And that like It could have been like six months later... And, and there she is, in thing with a baby bump. And you could have implied like a baby, and that would have been a cool little. Te- not six months but later, she has she's a baby bump. A baby bump, not cool. a baby. So like, but yeah, um, but that could have been like a cool little like teaser, which again still wouldn't need the sequel. It just could have been like it could have been imply, a, yeah. That would have been quite a cool little implication that that's what happened. And we, uh, but we definitely didn't need no. to know more about Debbie Klein than a passing thing at the <laughs> beginning of the
1: film. Um, um, so the Howling did get a remake. Um, in the early 2000 in the mid kind of early when was it it was around 2010 ish i believe um i don't remember <laughs> it's dog shit i have i can confirm i have watched it um and it was awful uh, but apparently for that one um andy muschetti would be coming back to direct a remake of the howling for um netflix now oh, right. um american werewolf um has also kind of been rumored that um it, it's going to be getting a remake and max landis who is the son of, of john landis um is supposed to be writing and directing this um, and apparently he announced on twitter that he he'd finished it but around kind of late 2017 multiple women kind of came forward saying that max Landis had emotionally and sexually kind of
0: yeah. abused
1: them and there's you know there's a lot of kind of um
0: before that, film I'd heard stuff. a lot of things that Matt Landis was a piece of shit. Like I'd yeah, heard a same. lot of people who'd worked with him, a lot of people said that he was mis- misogynistic and hor- like things like that. Like um, I'd heard loads of shit about Matt Landis. Apparently, he was he was basically even before that. The reason he was working on this film is because his dad has quite a lot of the rights to the films. Yeah, so he, that's like he could do himself. But most studios by that point had already blacklisted him because of behavior and things like that. And uh, yeah, and that's
1: where we look. That's kind of where we are at the moment. So. Um, Apparently Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead, um, has been, you know, considered to be attached to it, but there's no real kind of um, no update or news on where it is, to be honest. But yeah. the film is very. I, I, I don't know why, but
0: I weirdly think if you were going to do something of this, I weirdly think that actually American Werewolf in London, I think, would be quite good as a short TV series. It would, wouldn't it? because it's a. As we said, it's a lot about the characters. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot you could take of that. The mythology, even the people stuck in limbo with like yeah. the, that. I feel like I'm not saying a long. I'm not talking like a six part like kind of well made kind yeah. of series. Could really kind of flesh that idea. Even the villages and the more we could have an episode that goes back to what those villages like purely contained to what those villages have seen, kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot to add there. Which I think, weirdly, whereas I think a remake would basically just be retreading ground. They need. You know what I mean? I'm great. not saying that I don't love a retreading ground remake. Some of them are great, um, but uh, so well, great. Some people hate them, but like I, I like a fair amount of them. Yeah. To be fair. But I just don't know if it, it's needed. And I feel like it would just look shitter where they'd replace the practical effects with CGI effects. Which I imagine they would. Like, yes, I'm sure CGI's is quite a good like, stage. Yes, I'm sure it could look really cool. But there's just something about the practical that just made it work. Yeah. And it still makes it work to this day. At, like, even
1: 40 years on, I don't think the transformation has. It's not aged. It no. still looks great, and still looks disgusting to me. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. You know? It's it's only the final form which I think has aged. The final wolf, full wolf form, where you look at it and go, the face looks quite fake, and the hair yeah. look doesn't look that real. But the transformation and the way he looks before you see him, because you never actually see him fully change into that full final, because yeah. that would just look weird to see him fully. Like now he's going to sprout big hairy bits, like yeah. big hairball around him, and his face is going, <laughs> you know, go a bit black and you know things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is just. It, I haven't really got many bad things to say. I couldn't even pick out many major faults to be honest. No. Like I think it as a self-contained film, it was the only things we have talked about the weird the nazi werewolfing which i think could have been cut <laughs> i, I kind of love like, it like i, I kind of love it in its way now but i also think at the same time the film wouldn't be any as i said like the fact that i love it but at the same time i forgot it shows that it's not integral to any part of yeah. the story but i love that it's got it's all, it's a, it's a thing of its time it's not something you would ever see in a film now no, i don't definitely know, not. but it's perfect for its time the body horror the shock that's the scariest part of the film is the body horror yeah The transformations and
1: the moors, (laughs) yeah. Um, well, I guess that wraps it up for um, this week's episode. (laughs) Happy 40th birthday, uh, American Werewolf in London. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this trip across the moors and into the slaughtered land with us um, and as always, if you've enjoyed the if you've enjoyed the hoe, I was about to say if you've enjoyed the show um, hit the subscribe button and uh, leave us a, a tasty review and that always goes down well and we will see you next week uh, for uh, another In Memoriam, we shall see you then goodbye,
0: bye bye <laughs>